Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, and we are still in draft season, which means that for the next four shows, we'll have draft content for you. This week, though, we'll be looking at our favorite prospects, um, primarily pass catchers. We agreed pre-show that we're not really going to talk about quarterbacks because why would we? And we're not really going to talk about running backs because that room seems to be pretty stable. So if you're listening to this, we're mostly going to be looking at wide receivers and tight ends. But before we do that, Perry, how are you knowing that we are in draft month? It is April. It is April. I'm excited. I get more and more excited for the draft as it gets closer, um, naturally, like most people, just because it's like real football. And I realize that the closer we get to the draft means the closer we get to the official NFL schedule. Yes, I am waiting on pins and needles for that to drop. I was planning out some of my, you know, away trips. Do you have any planned that you might go see this year? Well, we're going to have to do a group trip up to Buffalo to go see our good friend, friend of the show, Rachel Hopmeyer, because she now covers the Buffalo Bills. So that's one for me for sure. Yeah, that it would just be fun to tailgate with Bills fans, honestly. That'd be that'd be a blast. I'm gonna try to get to Tampa this year because you know, two years ago, COVID kind of wrecked that. And hey, I'll get to see Tom Brady because he unretired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, lucky me. Um, That is actually, I mean, that's pretty cool to see a Hall of Famer first ballot before they hang up the cleats. But that is not what we're here to talk about. We will have probably a full show dedicated to the schedule release when it comes out. Um, I don't know, Perry, do you want to start like round one players you love? Do you want to start with a position uh, a position group? Do you want to give me your, your dream prospect, you know, in the first round? Well, my dream prospects are all defensive players. So, of course. Of course. Um, yeah, I'm true to form. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I think there are a couple of obvious ones. We can talk about Chris Olave probably until we're blue in the face. I actually wanted to talk about, um, I have two players that I feel like would be really great fits in Green Bay that, Maybe fans wouldn't be thrilled that the Packers would take them early, um, but I think that they would be wonderful. So the first I'm going to start off with is wide receiver Drake London. Um, I know that there are people out there who don't love that he's not as speedy, um, potentially because speed has been a need for 
for the Packers for a long time, especially after losing MVS. But I think Drake London is the prototypical Packers receiver, right? Like he's 6'4", 220, big frame, big body, knows how to use it, right? Has like actually wonderful body control, even though he's so large. Um, he's going to do the contested catches. He's going to grab those 50-50 balls. Like he's just going to be a big target that I can see Aaron Rodgers really wanting to throw the ball to. Um, not to mention he is a bad boy when it comes to blocking, <laughs> blocking in the run game, right? He is tough. He's competitive. He's just a guy that's going to like bring the energy no matter what he's doing. And like that well-rounded type of receiver is exactly the type of player the Packers usually go for. Yeah. I, I'm having a hard time with the wide receivers this year, just because, you know, it feels like there's such a, a spectrum of who could be available in certain yeah. you know, areas of first round, second round. And then we've got a gap obviously between the fifties and nineties until the Packers pick again. So it feels like there, there are some soft spots where some of these guys might not be available, but before I give you my guy, who is the second player that you're looking at? Yeah. So the one other thing I'll say about Drake London, and I think this is probably the biggest thing for people is that like, he may not have that amazing like separation, but my thought is you're looking at a Matt LaFleur scheme that separate can create separation naturally for players. So you don't have to get someone who's necessarily like incredible, right at that because Matt LaFleur will do that for the player. So that's, that's my, my last bit on Drake London. The other one is I didn't think that it was possible, but I've been seeing um, Kenyon Green, the interior offensive lineman, potentially right tackle falling on some mocks that I've been doing. And he is just like an immediate starter, potentially. Like if he fell to 22, I would say, you know, go grab him because right tackle is a pretty like decent hole right now. There's certainly guys the Packers could shift around, right, to fill that. But Billy Turner left and Elton Jenkins is going to be out with the ACL. And we don't really know who's taking on that right tackle. And I just think if Kenryn Green fell, um, he would be an immediate starter. Um, he'd also be potentially an immediate starter at either guard position. Um, we don't need a left tackle, but could you kick him out? He just could be like that future guy. And I know that the Packers historically take offensive linemen in the later rounds. But I think if a guy like him falls to you, who's just like incredibly well-rounded in every aspect of the game, um, then you grab him. See, I think that's interesting. Cause I thought you were going to go with another like splashy pass catcher and instead you went with something really rational and, you know, we won't spend much time on this, but we did start our mock draft Mondays on Monday and you ended up winning that 51 to 49% uh, the first week, which was really interesting because, you know, we, every week we try and take the approach of maybe not necessarily what we would do, but what we think, rings true to maybe what the Packers would do. And we had Chris Olave in one draft, and then we had Traylon Burks and George Pickens in the other draft. And that one is the one that won. So it, we've talked about it too a little bit that neither of us prioritized offensive tackle in those drafts because of the way the board fell. But I do th- agree with you 100% that if there is a plug and play guy available at right tackle, I think that would be something that Brian Gutekunst would take a look at. But I'm going to stay with the wide receivers for mine. And this is not hot takey at all. I don't think this is anything like shocking, but after all of my watching of the wide receivers in this class, 
Jameson Williams is the guy for me. He's just the guy. I don't know how, I mean, yes, I know he tore his ACL in the national championship, but he probably will be ready to start training camp. And if not, you know, at least right when camp starts, he should have a good portion of camp to be available. And I I just don't know how you look at his stats and don't think that he would just be everything that we need out of a young wide receiver in Green Bay. Just, you know, he led the SEC in receiving yards, yards per reception, touchdowns. He had 15 touchdowns in 2021. He also returned two kicks for touchdowns in his collegiate career. So he's got that availability, which not sure if you take a wide receiver in the first round and put him on special teams, but I just love him. And I don't know if the Packers would be interested in his injury history, given he just tore the ACL, but how can you not like him? I think he would be a consensus first wide receiver off the board for the tear. But I watched an interview with him recently Um, talking about how he's way ahead of schedule in rehab. And again, even if he doesn't start the first quarter of the season, that's still a guy that you're going to rely on for years to come. And I think it's worth the first round pick. Yeah, I think so too. And I just, especially, you know, with the news with Stefan Diggs today and the massive contract he signed, we're looking at you know, as the NFL continues to evolve, quarterbacks and wide receivers becoming really the two highest paid positions. Maybe you throw Ed Rusher in there as well. But what we're seeing now is teams like the Bengals that have guys like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson with the Vikings, you have to hit home runs with your wide receivers in the draft because by the time it gets to be a Devontae or a Stephon Diggs or a Tyreek Hill, there's a lot of teams that can't afford those players. And that's why we're seeing the trade market heat up as much as it is. So I think the Packers have to take some swings for the fences whether they take one wide receiver or two, maybe in the first, you know, three rounds, but they're going to need cheap explosive talent for the foreseeable future at that position. So who's your second guy? I don't, I, I kind of, you know, have them all in clumps and there's, there's not too many wide receivers that the Packers could, you know, bring to the podium. And I'd be like, ew, I, I don't see myself doing that with any of the receivers in this class, but I really, really like Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. He, I don't think he's a first rounder. I think he'd be more of a day two prospect, but he's big bodied. He's 6'3, 211. He has an explosive RAS, elite RAS 9.82. He runs almost a sub 4440, and he averaged over 17 yards per reception in each of his three final seasons. I just think he's like the prototypical Goody receiver, where he's the same way you talked about Drake London. He's a big body boundary receiver, and that's, I think, what the Packers need. I've fallen in love with a lot of slot guys in this draft, and I just. I don't want to go there because I don't see the Packers needing that. Yeah. My second guy for the day two is is primarily a slot guy, but I can see the Packers <laughs> using him in different ways. So I feel you there. There's a lot of really fun slot guys. Yeah, and I think that's this is a really good draft to need a slot receiver. It feels like most of the guys are versatile enough that they can play a lot of different positions. And, you know, maybe special teams is a contributing factor to that too. But it's it's been interesting. I mean, we have Amari Rogers on the roster who's a relatively unproven commodity at this point, hasn't really had any opportunities on offense. Not too impressive in his special teams opportunities, but for all we know, you know, that's coming and he's gonna be primarily the slot receiver in year two. The Packers obviously also brought back Randall Cobb, who plays primarily in the slot. So it just feels like you'd get really crowded in that room if you brought in a third primarily slot receiver. I agree. I mean, you never really know. Um, And I think there's this idea, and I think especially with a Matt LaFleur 
you know, progressive forward thinking type offense where you just get playmakers and then you figure out how to use them on the field together. But that doesn't take away from needing that X receiver. Like every offense just needs that guy. Yeah, I agree with you. So are there any, I guess, wide receivers that we missed that you think could be that that X receiver outside of, let's say, you know, the, the names that we all know and love from Twitter, who Packers fans have already fallen in love with, even some later round guys that you would be really interested in? So my favorite receiver in the draft is George Pickens out of Georgia. Um, he just feels like the like replacement as your number one guy. And I know it's very similar to James Jamison Williams, who, you know, he tore his ACL as well and missed the majority of this past season, but he's already rehabbed and would be ready to play. But he is, you know, your downfield speed playmaker. He's just your playmaker. You want to get the ball in his hands no matter um, where it is or how or what route he's running. He can run pretty much all of them. Um, I think he'd also be a day one guy, if not for the ACL tear. Um, so I think getting him in the second round would actually kind of be a steal, right? Again, great body type, 6'3". He's a little undersized, which I think also is one of his knocks. Um, he potentially would want to just maybe put on some weight muscle. Um, but again, I don't even think that that would impact his speed at all. Um, and there were also some comments about you know his blocking ability but I've seen some videos of Pickens you know throwing hands in the run game so I don't know if that's going to actually really end up being any kind of an issue for him and he went and met with the Packers so clearly there's mutual interest there as well Um, and I just can see him you plug him in day one Um, obviously if the chemistry is right with Rodgers and he he can be your he can be your guy I just think he's super fun and would be able to do everything yeah, I don't have, you know, a comprehensive list and the Packers always do their due diligence, but so far the names I've seen, please add more if you know them. Chris Olave, George Pickens is on there. Um I, man, I'm I trying to uh yep, a Traylon Burks is on there too. Um I don't know. It's I feel like there's more, but now that I said them out loud, it didn't seem like there was that many. So, <laughs> so maybe my notes are just not not where they should be. Yeah. And then my second day two guy, oh, you were going to ask a question. No, I was just going to say, when you go through looking at your prospects, is there anything that you exclude? Because I I have a really hard time if I really like a player and they have a low RAS, I kind of like knock them down to the bottom. Even though I know the Packers do take flyers on some guys, it's just they traditionally value elite athleticism over any tiebreaker. I'm the same way. Um, And it's not, again, like, like you said, it's not a deal breaker. But I feel like I feel more confident thinking the Packers will take this player if they do have a high RAS. Um, And for those listening, RAS relative athletic score. It's actually not something that teams use, I believe. Um, It's just something that's been created um, through like fandom, right? Kent Lee Plate created this. Um, But George Pickens, 933, right in that threshold. I actually have two more. I can't tell if if either of these guys are day three, like round three picks or like early round four. So take this with a grain of salt. But my one's a tight end, one's a wide receiver. So I'll start with the tight end because we've seen this name thrown around on Twitter. I'd like to say I've kind of loved him since the combine because he tested 
crazy, but it's Jelani Woods from Virginia. He's literally Mercedes Lewis reincarnated. <laughs> he is. He is. I think he's six seven. Let me yep. let me let me let me get his his draft profile up for us. All right. He's six seven, two hundred and sixty pounds. He literally only blocked at Oklahoma State. He didn't do anything but block. Obviously transferred to to Virginia and became kind of their their pass catcher. Um, ended his his season with eight touchdowns. But he is he has the highest relative athletic score for any tight end ever at literally 10 out of 10. He's just like a freak athlete um, who would be able to do everything Mercedes Lewis did, um, which we know is super important for the Packers offense. So love him. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned him. He is definitely a name that I think is ascending when it comes to the tight end position, because this class doesn't really feel like it has a guy you know, there's a lot of, of contenders for maybe late second round, early third round, but there's certainly not a Kyle Pitts in this year's draft class that it feels like is going to be, you know, the all-encompassing first round prospect. But I'm glad you moved to tight ends. There's a name I really like, and it's Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. And one of the reasons I like him is because he's he's familiar and played with a high-powered offense. I mean, he played with Chris Olave and Wilson, and he was their primary tight end. He fits really well into 12 personnel sets, which we know that Matt LaFleur utilizes quite a bit. He's got good size. He's 6'5", 252. Um, He's good in play action as a blocker and a receiver. And uh, Lance Zerline, actually, from NFL Network, has his NFL comp as Dalton Schultz, which is not too bad. Yeah, Dalton Schultz is kind of rising up there as another, you know, versatile, good tight end in the NFL. So I like him. Definitely don't think he'd be a a first-round kind of guy probably late second day, but if the Packers are looking for tight ends, there's some good ones, I think, in the in the middle rounds. I agree. Um, there's also Kate Otten out of Washington who could be really fun. Um, obviously, Greg Dolchik, um, he kind of popped off after the combine. So they could grab someone with some of their later picks. Yeah, the, another guy, you know, we talked about, like, you know, knocking them down because of their RAS, but Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, he's – you know, kind of a versatile Y or H back tight end, low RAS, so only a 4.84, but he's comps to Delaney Walker, actually, who obviously had a really long career in the NFL. And he has five career touchdowns over 50 yards, which is pretty impressive Whoa. for like a big bodied tight end. Yeah. So I don't know where he'll go, probably another late day two guy, but he's a name that I would keep an eye on because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Robert Tunyon long term. We don't know about Mercedes Lewis and Josiah DeGuar is still kind of unproven. So I think that room as a whole is something that we could see an overhaul of. I definitely agree. Any wide receivers you have in later rounds? Not a ton, just because I kind of disqualified them for their, their athletic scoring, which, you know, I shouldn't necessarily do, but David Bell out of Purdue is a name that's really interesting to me. Um, The draft network calls him one of those high floor, high ceiling kind of guys where he just, projects as you know a good reliable boundary receiver in the NFL like he's not necessarily flashy he's not gonna have the kind of career you would think that like Devontae Adams is having but he's just gonna be a reliable option on the boundary and I think you know for as as fun as it would be for the Packers to take a splashy guy in the first couple rounds he'll be a name in the later rounds that would just be a body with really good hands I think one of my later guys that I love and I know that he's typically a slot guy so take this with what you will but I've really fallen in love with Kyle Phillips out of UCLA 
And I think it's just because he kind of reminds me of a shorter Jordy Nelson. Like he's not the most polished. He's not the speediest, but he can just kind of do it all. And he was everything for UCLA's offense. I mean, everything. And the thing that stands out most to me is his special teams. Like he is one of the best punt returners in the country. He was at least he could probably do kick returns the NFL. Like he could totally boost that entire special teams unit for the Packers, which obviously needs a massive overhaul. And I feel like it also needs a centerpiece. Um, Like nobody, when you think of Packers special teams, like no one comes to mind. You know what I mean? When you think of special teams, like the Falcons, you're like Cordell Patterson, right? Like they need that person to like get behind and kind of like add some juice. And I think Kyle Phillips is the guy. Now I know he's, maybe smaller for the Packers thresholds, right? He's only 5'11", 190, but that's why he's more of a slot guy. But he could be a fun gadget player, right? Like he could do some of the motion stuff and jet sweeps and and things like that in the offense. But I think later around and getting him for his special teams value would be top notch. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because I have him on, you know, my list of guys that I like in in the later rounds. There's also John Mechie the third out of Alabama. I think he would be a lot of fun as a slot receiver or a boundary guy. He's a good fit in open space. He's, you know, ideal for that kind of spread offense. And then Bo Melton out of Rutgers. I don't know if you've, you know, done any watching of him, but he's another little bit shorter guy, 5'11. Um, but he runs a four, three, like super quick, has a ton of special teams ability. He led the, the team, uh, Rutgers in all purpose yards on kick and punt return as well was named an MVP on offense for Rutgers. And he's just like really dangerous in the open field. And I think with MVS being gone as their deep threat, they need somebody who's able to not only stretch the field vertically, but just be dangerous if the offense is able to create open holes because I think that's one of the perks of LaFleur's offense is he can scheme guys open absolutely well plenty of options we didn't even get through nearly half of them and I'm sure the Packers will take somebody completely different that yes. we didn't say <laughs> is there anybody that you've found like the later rounds five six seven um that kind of stands you I know you love looking at the later round guys so curious if you've seen anyone that you love there Yeah, I think he is maybe climbing boards just a little bit because the tight end class is not that great, but Shigo Okonwo out of Maryland, I don't know if you've watched any of him, but he is fun. He's kind of undersized for a tight end. He's only 6'2", 238, but he runs blazing fast for a tight end. He runs a 4'5", 2", but he scored touchdowns on end arounds, and they've used him on screens in the past, so... He just feels like a really athletic version of Josiah Duara. Like he would just be very versatile as far as where they could utilize him in the offense. There's a lot of tight ends in this class who are also really good at blocking and that's like their primary role. So if the Packers did want to take a flyer on a late round guy, there's some really good names from that as well, where, where guys are just like really willing to block. That's music to Matt LaFleur's ears. (laughs) Absolutely. Do you have any like, running backs, quarterbacks, you know, offensive linemen, whether it's tackles or guards that you have done any studying on that you like? No quarterbacks, no running backs. I'm not even going to pretend like I can scout offensive linemen. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I trust the Packers wholeheartedly in drafting a lineman. So whoever they take, 
I feel as though it will end up panning out quite well. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I normally don't spend too much time. I did a couple of years ago, you know, when we thought the Packers were going to look for a right tackle. And then like Dalton Reisner, I know all Packer fans knew at that point before they signed Billy Turner, um, just because, or it might've been after they signed Billy Turner, but just because we weren't sure what right tackle would look like with Brian Balaga leaving for the Chargers. But if there's one player that I've done a little bit of looking at because he's a late round guy, it's Abraham Lucas out of Washington state. He projects as a right tackle at the next level. And he's got a 9.73 RAS, super athletic. He's six, seven, just really strong. And he's a really, really good finisher as a run blocker. So he just, you know, is the kind of guy that will pancake you instead of just like, you know, instead of blocking, he's, he's going to finish. And I know that that, you know, is really big for Matt LaFleur and with Lucas Patrick, not in the lineup anymore. I don't necessarily know who that dog is for the Packers offensive line. Lucas Patrick was always the one that would start fights just like TJ Lang. So I think the Packers need that kind of offensive lineman now back in the lineup somewhere. I love it. I know that they will take at least one somewhere in this draft. So um, it'll be fun to see who that is. And if they do decide to take like a use a premium pick on someone like they did with Elton Jenkins a couple years ago, or or if they go kind of the David Bakhtiari route and find find a diamond in the fifth round. Yeah, and I, I wanted to look at running backs. I've looked at a couple of the guys that are projected to be like, you know, late day three guys, but it's just hard for me to find room for them. And maybe it's because you and I have a soft spot for Patrick Taylor, but I liked the way that he looked in limited reps. We know Kylan Hill is coming back from his ACL injury and he could be a key contributor on special teams. He looked pretty good before the injury and with uh, Rich Bisaccia now, you know, maybe there's better opportunities there as well. So tried to find some guys that, you know, maybe are a little speedier or are more elusive than what we have in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, but it just hasn't been a priority for me because I really like all four guys in that running back room right now. I totally agree. Um, And I also think it would be, I mean, the AJ Dillon pick was a shock, but not that much of a shock. Like I would be genuinely surprised if the Packers used any of their top a hundred picks on, on a running back. So if they take someone late, right, fine. That that's fine. That's a room you always want to be filled, especially because of, you know, potential injury. But um, I completely agree with you. I, I haven't done too much study. Yeah, I could see them going like, you know, there will for sure be a couple undrafted guys, maybe a a day three guy just because, you know, the Packers like to have five or six going into training camp in the preseason. But it really feels like, especially with Kylan Hill being healthy for training camp, that the top three spots are, are pretty much locked up. Maybe Patrick Taylor would get some competition, but I don't see them investing a draft pick into that competition. Totally agree. As always. We're on the same page. <laughs> Any final guys you want to give a shout out to positions you're interested in? I mean, you and I have kind of talked about this, you know, on the show before that we think it's definitely a class where the Packers take at least two, if not three, three receivers. Do you see them taking multiple tight ends, just one tight end where are you kind of lean in with how this shakes out? I would not be surprised if they took two tight ends, just given what we talked about earlier with the way that room looks. Um, I definitely fully believe they take two wide receivers as well, whether that's early, one early, one late, too early. I'd like to see them invest some draft capital in pass catchers. I think it's time to replenish those rooms, and it's a good draft to do it, and they certainly have the ammunition to do it. So let's go get them. 
I agree with you. I love the draft every year. It's always, you know, must see TV for me for all three days. And I'm mad at Mark because he has a work function on Friday night and I'm supposed to go to that. And I'm like, Mark, the Packers have two picks in the top 60 on day two. I don't really want to go to a work thing, but I'm going to go because I'm a good wife. But anyway, the, I mean, the Packers have a lot of capital this year. And I think that's what makes this so fun is, you know, they have two picks, whether they use both on day one or they move around two more picks in the second round, whether they take both selections or they move up, but they've got a lot of ammunition to do pretty much whatever they want. And they've got some cap space now to make some things work as well, which they didn't have before. So as sad as it is to see guys like Devonte Adams leave, it's also a really exciting time. If you are a fan of just, you know, newness and change. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see like what Matt LaFleur can do with a bevy of guys rather than just having, the offense run through basically one guy. Um, yeah. I think it'll really showcase like what he's able to do as a play caller. Yeah, I agree 100%. And with Steno now as the uh, offensive coordinator, I think that's also another indication that the Packers could be looking for, you know, offensive line talent early in the draft, just because, you know, if anybody's going to be able to suss out the talent, it'll be Adam Stenovich. But that is all the time that we have for this week's show. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast or on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram at Pax What She Said. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can follow me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. And you can also check out the podcast on SheSaidTV.com, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find Pax What She Said. So thank you, as always, for listening. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Thank you. Chase him down.